0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another Commission Movie Podcast. I hold in my hand the very first entry into the Bald Move library of movies.
1: The Bald Move physical library, F- yeah. Phys- well, I mean, we have we've some Amazon stuff. Quite a collection on, on the Amazon at this point. We
0: have, but this is this is tangible. Mm-hmm. I can lay hands on this thing. Uh, it's the 15th anniversary edition of Stargate, starring Kurt Russell and James Spader. Stargate the movie, which they feel necessary to point out. Uh, well, you know, I guess you don't want After
1: it's, you don't want to expect MacGyver and get Kurt Russell. That, that's true. It might break that's your true. brain. They also call it the film that unlocked the universe.
0: I I'd say that's fair. That's
1: like, literally Stargate Universe. Yeah, it doesn't not have any possible.
0: qualitative aspect to it. It's not mm-hmm. like the only film to ever leave an impression on you or anything like that. <laughs> there, there's nothing too stunning about it. Uh, what What do you? What is your relationship? With the Stargate movie and, and franchise in general.
1: I well, guess. first of all, I got to give special thanks to Doctor Brandon Devito. Shit, you're right for commissioning this podcast. He did one for his daughter, as this you know the selfless man that we know and love. He's given so much to humanity over the years. Uh, he he he, uh, he commissioned the Mean the Girls podcast, which might be the most popular commission podcast we've ever done just judged on people <laughs> Feedback, squealing yeah. and likes on Facebook it's crazy like that's the podcast that no one knew they needed until the day it dropped so yeah there must
0: be a cult following for that
1: movie so so, so thank you for that doc uh but this is the one for himself uh the Stargate. uh it's you know released in 1994 uh directed by Roland Emmerich is that Emmerich, Emmerich? i think it's Emmerich and written by Dean Devlin, the, long the time. dynamic duo. The dynamic duo. Yeah, you know them from movies such as
0: Independence Day, uh, Universal Soldier. Did they both do that? They did. Uni- yeah. Uh, okay.
1: It's and the the day after tomorrow day after and tomorrow, the yep. Godzilla. Not, God, uh, not yes. the most recent remake, but the one before that with uh, minus
0: Brian Cranston.
1: Yes. Yes, it's the one that had Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. I was trying yeah. to think of, uh, it wasn't Parker Lewis as the other guy. Hank
0: Hank Asteria or something like that, the guy who, Az- Azaria? Azaria, Yeah, the guy who does
1: all the Simpsons voices. Yeah, yeah. A terrible film. Terrible, yeah. wrong-headed film. Really rotten.
0: Uh, some might say the same about this movie and or Independence Day.
1: Uh, He says, with the reboot of Stargate, the Stargate movie Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin keep threatening us with, I want to revisit what made me fall in love with the property. For me, Stargate was a revolutionary storytelling idea, mixing sci-fi wormholes with an action movie set on another planet mimicking ancient Egypt, throwing a girl and a troop of idiotic kid soldiers and you can't miss. The movie, though, really shows some ugly cracks over time, like how Roz explained to be the dying race that inhabits a human boy 10,000 years ago, where the idea for the big gold head and his minion animal heads come from. Sure, it explains the real-life Egyptian artifacts, but no other has no other in-story explanation. If he had been overthrown already on Earth by a group of slaves armed with sticks, how did he not ha- learn a lesson on the other planet and arm his ship with more than a half dozen soldiers to monitor an entire planet? After 70 years since the gate was dug up, did nobody ever try to randomly pick one more symbol? They just stopped at six and didn't bother to try the other 33 symbols one at a time to unlock the secrets of the universe? There's millions of combinations of symbols, but only... One goes, but but it only goes one other place? Why not have an open-close button then? Yeah, so I really liked this movie growing up. Okay. And amongst my friend circle, there was, like, a, a particular guy, you know, we know him as Ace Jace, but he legitimately believes this shit is true. Like, <laughs> he's read Charity of the Gods. This was, like, a documentary for him. Like, uh-huh. this, this really... Uh, opened my eyes to a lot of mumbo-jumbo, not like I needed any more in my youth. But uh, I I had fond memories of this movie, and then we sat down and watched the director's edition. I don't think we meant to. It's just that was the one that uh, was available. Like That's the one that if you just default rent on Amazon, it it shows it. And I I came away thinking like, man, has this movie aged worse than I thought? Mm -hmm. Or was it, it made less sense or what? So we decided to, of our own free will, get this... Uh, 15th anniversary edition just so we could listen. We heard that it has an all-star commentary with <laughs> Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. I saw that. I was like, we got to get it. We and have to. So so by, I, I took two sets of notes. My first was the first time through and it was a lot more what the fucky than the second time through because I, yeah. I, I got this impression. We had a little bit of a debate after our first watch through. I was like, I think Roland Emmerich is a really good technical director. Mm-hmm. Like all the pieces are there. Like he's really good at uh, uh, compositing a shot. There's a lot of care and love in the design of this alien technology, mm-hmm. and like the the Stargate concept is kind of interesting. And this cultural pollination of humans across the stars is is really interesting. But there's just a lot of things that don't. That they don't fit together, and he seems to solve this by just stepping on the gas. Yeah, like before you start to think about like, wait a second, why is James Spader here, translating this Stargate, and and why are they these troops ready to go the second it opens? It's like, nope, just hit the gas. We're in this another universe, and weird shit's happening. Uh, then the second time through, I, I feel like that 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 was confirmed. That I felt like listening to Emmerich talk that he was fighting losing battles against executives that wanted him to continually dumb it down and take out the character. What, what little characterization and character conflict there was to take that stuff out and streamline it. I presumably for international audiences, which I mean, that's his bread and butter. Like, You don't need to speak English yeah. to understand what's going on in Stargate. Right?
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it not, at least not the version that we see uh, the theatrical version. I think is a little more fucked up.
1: Uh, As Could far as narrative be.
0: goes i so i at the same time he 's talking about I think, oh, yeah, I actually think the actually na-
1: I think the narrative is much cleaner in a the theatrical cut it 's just not as interesting and doesn 't have nearly the characterization i I guess
0: i don 't know what you mean by cleaner because to me, like filling in some really obvious
1: gaps it 's just uh, a much cleaner, cleaner story it's like it 's like there 's nothing uh t- if you mean more sterile, I'd, I, don't know. Like, well, like so, like a lot of things that he put in, a, a lot of the stuff involves going back to base camp and you know checking in with French Stewart. Okay, yeah. And that stuff is horseshit. But at the same time, like
0: the stuff he's talking about battling with studios to keep in, I think is all good yeah. characterization and is necessary for the end of that movie like, when like James Spader he decides f- to stay. Yeah, he's he, you absolutely need that stuff, and I'm glad it's in that version. I don't know if it's in the original. The the theatrical cut does not have the stuff with Raw, like being taken up into the ship at the beginning.
1: He was also talking about he needed to... Yeah, you just have the middle section that's all pure expository stuff where he's wandering through the halls of history.
0: Even that middle section, he said he had to... Like fight to get that in there. That was like a last minute thing. Like these yeah. triumphs that he's talking about. Oh yeah, we had these great ideas and this last minute thing. Mm-hmm. Like this was the script was kind of saved by you know putting these ideas in here. Well, I don't feel like they saved it. I feel like those were bare bones necessities. And if you didn't have that, this is a piece of shit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of scenes like with Kurt Russell and the the Shepherd Boy that's kind of sold their relationship. That's not in a theatrical. Yeah, release, the I guess cigarettes. That, and- but but then again, they never really pay that off because. I guess they pay off a little bit. There's a little through line there with, you know, um, Kurt Russell being afraid. So his character backstory is he's a, you know, special forces guy lives and dies by the sword. His son plays around with a gun and shoots himself in the face and dies. And at the, when we join him in the movie, he's kind of suicidal. And then later on when the shepherd boys, uh, you know, they're, they're oohing and on over a cigarette lighter. And then one of them gets a hold of a gun and starts waving it around and mm-hmm. he flips his shit because he doesn't want to see another child die with these things. But then they end up becoming child soldiers. Mm-hmm. And the really emotional high point of the movie is when the bizarre looking one, the, the dunce of the group, I'll, I'll say, mm-hmm. uh, gets killed. And it kind of shockingly poorly conceived action sequence. The outside stuff is poorly conceived. The inside stuff is actually pretty good.
0: Yeah. We're all over
1: the map on this review. Do you want to get some structure to this or I mean that's what I was thinking. Like I as far as like the the
0: show goes, have you seen any of the show?
1: I saw about three episodes because I was really so stoked no. for it. I mean, like, well, here's like the really, no, there are 15 years of that show. I feel like 90% of why I like this movie is the art design and direction. Yeah, yeah. Like, the headdresses these guys wear that all morph into, like, that was really cool. And when you see the sure. shitty, shitty versions, the the the, the low-budget sci-fi versions of these things in the Stargate series, it just instantly took me out of it. Like, yeah. if you don't have the visual splendor of Stargate, then the Stargate, the movie, is just a slightly below average B film.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. Um, Like, I, I have seen about the same amount of the show, SG-1. I, they're, they're a shitload. They're no, I mean, Atlantis everyone talks and, like... I, I, Continuum I, I, movie and all sorts of shit. It's
1: like, but, a lot of people say Babylon 5 is one of the greatest sci-fi things yeah, ever made. I'll it. never know, because that shit was made on an Amiga with a video toaster, and it looks like ass, yeah. and I just can't get past it, man. Maybe the story's great. I don't know. The story but... could be great, because I am a, above all else, I'm a graphics whore. Okay. I, I can't enjoy something that doesn't look stylish and, and cool. Or at least keep you in the, the moment. That's why, why I know? can't get into Doctor Who, that I've tried so many times, and it's just like this this hokey shit gets in my way of enjoying an otherwise stellar story. And like you said, maybe that's
0: the thing that keeps you engaged in Stargate, and it gave it just enough... Um... But, yeah, I haven't seen any of the show. This is really the only thing I've seen of Stargate. Uh, and I remember, like, when I watched it the first time, I was much more into it. Like, I'm talking back when I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, I thought, man, that was a cool movie. Like, all these interesting ideas. It and is a And it had a, a cool ton movie. of action. Yes. And, like, all of it made sense. It was really cool. But also, in those days, I was kind of enjoying movies to tear them down, um, like, sometimes. So uh-huh. we'd, we'd go in and, like... You know, after the movie, go to the Steak and Shake and talk about, oh, this was a cool idea. Oh, but this was bullshit. We we do the same thing we do on the podcast right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: essentially. We've been doing this for yeah. three years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, like MST3K. People Rift are just around, like, you right? guys have good... Well, we've we've had a lot of practice. Yeah,
0: a lot of Steak and Shake nights.
1: A lot of Steak and Shake. Uh,
0: so I, I also remember, like, a lot of hokey shit in this, too, uh, that we were pointing out and talking about. Sure. Uh, so I have a slightly less lesser opinion of the movie coming away from it this time. I don't think it's a great movie. I think the ideas are interesting. The ideas are great. The execution of specifically of the writing uh, I think is bad. Dean Devlin does not seem like he's a good writer. They both get writing credit, so I don't want to throw it all on Dean. Uh, But I feel like that Emmerich is holding
1: holding up his end of the directorial. He's actually getting what's on the paper on the screen, and it's looking marvelous, and it's evocative. And and when you put the score in it, which I thought that was the biggest revelation of the commentary, the fact that that was an afterthought and a happy accident. They're (laughs) like, this guy who's never scored a motion picture before— we're gonna tap him and we're gonna get ninety percent of the way done through post and like, oh shit, we should check and see if he's got anything good. And, <laughs> and he then busts both. the main Stargate he, theme, and it's one yeah. of the best. I mean And he's like rivaling
0: John Williams for his shit in other movies. Yeah. Like, uh, I was thoroughly impressed by the soundtrack of
1: this movie. It really does so much heavy lifting for this film. Yeah. So much heavy so lifting. So
0: David Arnold, uh, good job. You you get a you get a shiny star. Not so sure about Roland and Dean. Yeah. Uh, Roland, okay. Roland, you directed the shit out of it, sure.
1: I mean, he also scored Independence Day, which also has a really nice score. Like, it's kind of more, a little bit more generic, but uh, he did Tomorrow Never Dies, just whatever. Godzilla, which has a terrible score. Wing Commander, <laughs> which I can't even think. He did... The World is Not Enough, Shaft. I mean, that's what which...
0: separates the John Williams from the David Arnolds, right? Like, David Arnold has got one or two in him. Yeah. John Williams just has 50 years of music in him, and it pours out of everything.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's a, th- like, a lot of people want to go, oh, wow, he did Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, Casino Royale, Hot Fuzz.
0: Uh, none of these are striking me as particularly score, like, amazing scores. Hmm.
1: Uh... I mean, they're probably
0: good. They're probably serviceable, but.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I I don't know this guy. He's he's. I thought maybe like oh, man, I've never heard of him before. But yeah, he he po popped that out. I one thing I want to say because I heard someone say like two weeks ago that John Williams stuff all sounds the same. Oh what? Fuck you. <laughs> what? Yeah, it all sounds like great movie soundtracks. But Superman and Star Wars and Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark don't sound anything alike. I like, you, you may can... Superman and Star Wars main theme is about the closest you can get. I agree. Uh
0: yeah this this sounds John Williams esque and I was I was listening to it going is that John Williams because mm. no it, it, really it certainly good.
1: elevates the material that it's in and it, it carries a lot of the emotional weight of the film yeah but that was the biggest thing from the commentary is the fact that that was like that could have been they could have had a below average score and man a lot of this movie I don't think works nearly as well that's true yeah I mean the effects still carry the day but uh you know Johnny Williams has taught us that effects plus really slick music production equals jaw dropping.
0: Yeah. And I mean at the time I was really into you know new ideas and uh-huh. and like just thirsty for any kind of new interesting ideas in cinema. Um and Stargate provided that, you know. This this idea of a spacefaring Egyptian style race with with like aliens who are taking over ancient bodies from Earth. It's it's all really interesting. Yeah. But like the second time around, I'm just kind of, I'm having to consciously stop myself from rolling my eyes.
1: at Well, it. so this is what I was trying to get at, and maybe more or less successfully got at at the V Commission podcast uh-huh. we did. Yeah, that like the older I get, the the more alien invasion stories just don't fucking make any sense because they're either yeah. going to be a one side slaughter, uh-huh. or you you question the reason the aliens are even there. Like you know, as you pointed out. If Ra has all the sophisticated technology, why the hell is he entrusting his vital mining operations to thousands of desert nomad...
0: I mean, we can strip monkey mine men. today
1: yeah, on this planet yeah, with machines. Like, just one of the big reasons Appalachian Mountains economy is, just down, to sh- is down to shitters is because they're just ripping off the tops of mountains and doing the work of 50 men with one dude and a giant bulldozer and yeah. some dynamite, like... Why can't he have these, you know, like... If he can travel the stars, he can strip mine a mountain automatically. I really like the idea that they've got this stylish technology. Like, you know, this this, this resurrection tank doesn't look like the surgery pod on... Uh, Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. it looks like a sarcophagus, because why not make it look good as well? These... This, this power armor doesn't isn't just effective and increases the strength of the wielder and gives him energy weapons, but it looks badass, too. So I buy that you would have this ceremonial shit. But when shit hits the fan and he's laid siege outside of his giant pyramid-shaped spaceship, that's where it breaks down. Like, where is mm-hmm. the completely armored power armor? How can Kurt Russell... Shoot these guys in their bare midriffs and and kill these quote unquote gods and all they have is a shitty combination of Gafferty stick from the Sand People of Star Wars and energy blaster.
0: Yeah, yeah. The t- the disparity between their travel technology and all their other tech. The travel and like human repair technology, like that I, disparity, is night
1: and day. I get ceremonial armor, like you know, we sure. get we guard the tomb of the unknown soldier with a What's World your War II rifle and a saber, probably with a bayonet. You know, it's like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I get it, but also like if someone were to seriously attack the tomb of the unknown soldiers, some motherfucking marines and battle fatigues and rocket launchers and shit would show up. The the to, to, to Handle the problem. Yeah. It wouldn't be like, oh, God, we're just stuck here in our dress blues with, you know, a clip of seven bullets, and what are we going to do?
0: And when you send out your uh, your gunships, I, I don't know, your fighters, they better yeah. be able to hit something. They better be like able to targeting- take out a fortress made of upturned wagons. Or at least kill one person. Oh well, they did. They killed. They, uh, they
1: killed the goofy guy who couldn't make it to the fortress made of wagons. Yeah. Once within that <laughs> yeah. fortress, they were largely. And then drop then, a bomb on him. So Ra's already sentenced all these fuckers to death. Yeah. When they sur- offer surrender, why do they they Why do they park their starships? get out of them and approach them on foot, where now they're vulnerable to bullets. Like, all the... They didn't need all of the desert people to come over the crest and save them. They just had to focus Team Fire on their belly buttons, and they're dead. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, man. No. There, there's
0: so much in here that doesn't make sense, both from a technological standpoint. But if they didn't standpoint. stack the
1: deck against Raw, Raw would have just beat the shit out of these guys, yeah. and you wouldn't have a move And that's
0: a problem I have. You know, you, you're, you're squeezing the... the clay of the movie to make it into something that you can work with whereas like maybe you just shouldn't make that thing maybe you should you know do something else with that clay
1: I'm trying to think is there a way you can tell an intelligence vastly because we we talked about Independence Day same problem like there's a little bit like you know the fact that they've studied this particular starship and maybe they have an idea how you can so interface war of the, the world right yeah at war of the worlds we got our ass kicked the only thing that saved us is bacteria exactly. So There's not that many <laughs> – I don't think there's that many concepts like that. that gotcha. You do it's it once done, and, yeah. okay, yeah, something primitive took him down.
0: I mean, diplomacy could be a way to do it. Maybe
1: Ra's allergic to flint and steel and, you know, that's – he did, wasn't able to handle our bows and arrows. Yeah.
0: Or you give somebody a bomb and an alien ship and you send them up to, to smoke a cigar
1: in yeah. front of it. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: You could do that, uh, which I felt – surprisingly, was more believable than the outcome of this movie. Mm. Uh, yeah, so what
1: what, what else you want to
0: talk uh, about? So, this? like, I was talking earlier about this, uh, the narrative here, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, I, I think I briefly mentioned it, but this shot of Jay Davidson in 8000 BC, first of all, it's, it's a fucking coincidence they show up on the change of a millennium, right, and, like, well, eight thousand versus guess,
1: eight thousand five. It's a one in one thousand shot. I guess you know. I never even thought, but I just thought that they're you know kind of like when they talk about when the first pyramid was made. It's like six thousand BC. That's the other thing. Like
0: generalizing, sure.
1: Egypt is crazy. I mean, do you realize that Egypt has been a place on this <laughs> globe uh-huh. for eight thousand years, ten thousand years? There's mm-hmm. is there any other place that can say that? Like, Egypt, the place today, yeah, is know. roughly the same place that it was 10,000 years ago. Yeah. And still has functional architecture from that era, too. Mm-hmm. That's fucking insane.
0: Yeah, it's I agree. Like, your Chinese
1: <laughs> shit, pissing on it. Your Roman shit, uh-huh. shitting on it. Uh-huh. That's crazy. That's just me yeah. wanting to just just be mind-boggled at the, okay. the passage of time and, 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 and how, and the, you know, yeah. You can be forgiven to think that this stuff had to be alien engineered because how the hell can people from that that long ago. So, 10,000 so, years is the 6,000 years, sir. I, 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 I went a little too far back when I said 10,000 years. But 6,000 years, yes, Egypt has been a place for 6,000 years. Okay. I don't think any place on Earth can make that same claim.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what you mean by a place. Like, having culture?
1: Having... Well, like, you like, okay, so there's a place in France where there's cave paintings from 15,000 years ago or whatever. Yeah. But they did not call that place France, and it had, fr- fr- you know, the borders of France and the kind of, like, cultural artifacts. Sure, sure. That have still kind of remained significant throughout. I mean, Egypt was a power into its own right uh, the, into the Roman times and beyond. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of... I mean it gets weird because like what do you call it when a place gets taken over and like they still call themselves pharaohs but they're not Egyptian. Hmm. Like I don't know. But you know, it's like there's still some kind of cultural continuity there, but it's, so it's they they cheat a little bit, but still, still. That's yeah, insane. I
0: mean, I don't I don't think any any of our major cultures or any of our cultures period are the same as they were that long ago. Egypt is probably the closest, I guess. Mm. that we have, sure. Uh, But uh, so this idea of like the alien comes down, takes Jay Davidson up and uses his body to become uh, raw incarnate. I don't know. Raw in He's, he's not really raw. Like he's some what is the fiction he's spinning here? Because he's he these people think that raw is a god. So, uh, I understand because he came down out of the heavens in a fucking pyramid. Yeah. Started taking people up and then turned, like, Egypt into a slave colony for a while. Right. Mining this stuff and then blew them up because they...
1: Yes. They talk too much. <laughs> They knew too much? Well, no, they did the, the, the exact opposite. Like oh, that's right. They Ra was him. away, yeah. the slaves would play, and they, they did rebellion and then buried the Stargate, which... So there, he learned nothing from this. And there's an interesting thing that uh, they have these, in, in the director's edition, had these fossilized Anubises and and whatnot, which is, they, they intended to suggest that Ra tried to use the star. like it's a total surprise that this end of the Stargate was disconnected. And yeah. he sent dudes through, and they just materialized in a rock and fossilized. Yep. Which I thought was a cool concept that didn't make the movie proper. But, you know, again, it was it was kind of neat. But, yeah, the humanity uh, was able to overpower the laughably underpowered alien gods while Ra was away. And overthrew their overseers. And walled off to Stargate, which is well enough. And then Ra's reaction to that was to outlaw reading and writing mm-hmm. so that they couldn't organize a slave revolt like that again. And
0: then here come the fucking humans again. Right. I mean, they're all humans, but here come the earth humans, yes, the, the earthlings.
1: Earth, the, yeah. The OGs. Yeah. Uh,
0: fucking stuff up for me again. Yep. But like, I, without that scene and without that middle scene, I don't like that scene of exposition. I don't know where your narrative comes from. Yeah. It's, it's just a straight up action movie with no plot. Like, I think... I don't know. I think... Like, you know, going through a Stargate, like, finding a Stargate, going through, and there's some crazy shit there. No, I I that disagree. I think that
1: the movie would be much more open to interpretation. Like, you could validly say that, uh, you know, maybe Ra is actually a human, and he seeded, he's, he's seeded human life on these planets that are his mining colonies to suit his whims, rather than... Like, it's not important that Ra abducted a little boy... And the humans are easy – like, that stuff is, like – that's that's one vision, but it's, like, the identity of Ra and his backstory I don't think makes a significant impact into the plot. Hmm. Because, like, here's okay. my interpretation is 8,000 BC, they had Ra, who's a tribal god, in kind of the same way that Yahweh was a tribal god of these, you know, the the precursors to the Israelites – who then turned into the, the, the you know this, this shepherd God turned into this monotheistic religion that then morphed into Jesus Christ, and all that stuff. So Ra, Ra was probably already a concept amongst these people that uh, the alien, who became known as Ra co-opted. Like I don't think he started the worship of Anubises and Oryx, uh, Horyxes and all that stuff. I feel like that he took these elements and then aped them and said, "I am your God." It wasn't like... So I'm not... It's kind of like, like an Ewok C-3PO situation. They already had the golden god. He just happened to show up and say, yep, I'm the man. It wasn't he landed and said... No, sent, I You're... I get that. Okay. I just
0: don't... Th- there's, some, there's some weird knot there that f- flows back in on itself, I think, where, like, how much of... So the pyramid stuff was obviously him. Like th- Yeah, those were
1: essentially landing pads for his spaceships, which I thought was a cool idea.
0: Well, they had... They had no concept of like we're going to build pyramids. That wasn't something Egyptians did. No, it it was
1: literally engineered expressly for landing pads for his spaceships.
0: Yeah. So I like I don't know where your assertion comes from that they already had all this culture. No, no, no. We don't see any of that. That's
1: what I'm saying. Like just like you know, Jesus Christ was not part of the godhoods of these nomadic shepherd tribes that lived in Mesopotamia. That was like, Mm -hmm. you know, like this, 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 the pre runner to Yahweh, like the, whatever, the precursor of Ra that became the Egyptian, like that's what, you know, he, he might have even kind of shaped the religion from there, but he, they had this kind of like chorus of gods that he co opted. Yeah, this is before Pyramid. I mean, 8,000 BC is way before the pyramids.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see that in the movie, like without. Like, even
1: with the exposition, I don't know that the... I know, that's, I know. It's, it's, the... that's my headcanon, but it's something okay. DeVito brought up, so I thought I'd, uh, you know... Okay. Totally well, you're, you're asserting
0: thought. it like that's the plot of the movie, and I'm like, I didn't see It's not, that, but that's but... something,
1: it's not, that's not important to the movie. Those are the big ideas that you can kind of think about afterwards. Like, I... You, I don't know, I mean, I guess... Having I... Ra's identity be shrouded in mystery, I don't think is a problem. <sighs> having this be just a straight adventure movie, I guess, is okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it like, what if a you took Raw's backstory out of it? Does it really change how. Matt, in fact, uh, some might say that'd be cooler because then you could spin up your own theories about you can, yeah. how we came into this symbiotic relationship with this alien. Or maybe he's not even alien. Maybe he's just human. He's just a really old, technically advanced, you know, indistinguishable from magic. Well, they show alien. an alien
0: face at the end. But they didn't okay. have
1: to. That's what I'm saying. They add, in fact, they added oh, all those effects okay. way after the fact, after they shot the bonus scenes. Yeah, with, yeah. So, like, th- that that was stuff. In fact, you it's funny, because I never thought that, but when you were watching it, you said, it's kind of jarring. I don't get, like, this alien mass coming outside of his face. Like, what does that even mean? Um, like, that's just to suggest that he's not really Jay Davidson. He's really yeah. this alien inhabiting Jay Davidson's body.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it could be, you know, the dematerialization of that body and the explosion or whatever. And, oh, now you're you're... Vessel is taken away, here's who you are, and you're dead.
1: That wasn't even an effect. That's the actual what happened when they asked Jay Davidson to take his nipple rings out. <laughs> he just it's got so angry at the mere suggestion. That's not, also yeah. a, another factoid we gleaned from uh, that apparently Emmerich has so little control over what's going on in his, his his movie that going up and saying, Hey, can you take your nipple rings out for this? We need to see you bare chested in, in your like tribal outfit. Uh, nope, I'm not going to do that. My nipple rings are non-negotiable. They don't come out. And then they have yeah. to engineer a goofy-looking breastplate for him so that hides it in later appearances. But I thought that was really weird. Like, who the fuck is Jay Davidson? I get that Emmerich wasn't yeah. exactly the Independence Day, big swinging dick, I'm going to make Godzilla, even though it's a terrible idea, Emmerich. But still, he's the director of the fucking movie, and who the hell is Jay Davidson? I, no one that I'd heard of. He's the lady boy from The Crying Game which was kind of uh indie, that. you know, it hit at the time but it's not like he was a huge actor. No,
0: I didn't know him from Let Alone a wall. Hugh Jackman. Uh yeah, well I I don't know. So there are other scenes in here where I'm like, you know, the the soundtrack is propping up the movie like and and some of the grand ideas are are maybe doing some heavy lifting where the details aren't like Mm-hmm. This idea, this scene specifically where they walk through the Stargate for the first time, yeah, super impressive. And I mean, the score is swelling, and you're getting this grandiose, epic feeling. And yeah, and the the, the, the effects Stargate effects decent.
1: still hold up. Yeah, like going through yeah. the Stargate is still kind of um, on a big screen. It's really cool because it's like a, like a it, it's immerses you into the motion of it, till you feel like you're kind of in a roller coaster simulator.
0: Yeah, you feel like you're about to take this journey with this epic journey with somebody, and right. and that I feel like is a little, slightly betrayed later in the movie, but mm-hmm. but for that moment you feel real good about it. Other than you know, there's some weird shit going on, right? Yeah. Like, you've got all this equipment. You've been working on this for two years. You didn't realize these were constellations, right? Great job, military. Yeah, this is what America can do when they really put their mind to it. Yeah. Uh, what about the other 60 years in between finding it and, and, l- and like this the doc last says? Two?
1: What's the harm in trying the seventh seventh chevron just random ones until you get like and you got you don't have to send people through probes. you can send yeah. probes and also the first probe gets there and the stargate shuts mm-hmm. uh you then just send man a manned mission you don't send more star you know you don't send other probes to to, to try to optimize it just seems again it's an action movie, but the things just escalated fast from like. We now know we can open a Stargate. It's open. Let's send people through. Like, there's a space of five minutes that all that stuff happens.
0: Well, here's another huge problem. Yeah. They make it very clear that when they go through this Stargate, they're going to have to turn it on on the other side to come back, right? Sure. How did they get information back from that probe? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, they sent it through and boom. We got the info, all the the readings. Is it beaming shit across the entire known universe? No, as she no, no. Said? It's
1: it's that's why they lost contact when the Stargate shut after a predetermined amount of time. It they lost because there it was able to beam the signal. Okay, the, like right. I guess thirty feet across the Stargate, yeah, yeah. but then as soon as that thing shut, then boom, it, they lost it. But you can send another probe. or Could you experiment okay. with like okay, we're going to park a probe. In mid transit yeah. to try to keep it open
0: for longer periods of time. Yeah, judging by what the rings do to people, and also I think it probably would. Why cut can't the probe. you
1: open it from the other side? That was the other. They thing. They don't have the symbol for Earth. They don't have no. That but I'm saying, like, symbol. if you open up, like, I know it's not a Stargate, but the teleporter technology that works on Raw Starship uh, is bidirectional. Yeah, is it weird? I think it's weird to me that the Stargate isn't. That if you open it up from Earth to is it Abaddon? Is that what they decided to call it in the series? Oh, I have no idea. Whatever this whatever this uh, planet is, uh, that while that's open, why can't you go backwards through it? Who says you couldn't? They just multiple times in the movie, they say, like, French Stewart says, it doesn't work that way. You have to, we have to open it from this side to get back. That's they the open... other thing. How the
0: fuck do they know anything about this?
1: Right? Like, they haven't ever turned it on. Yeah. But they've got all this stuff hooked up to it, and they know they're going to be able to get readings. They're and... ready to go. Like they haven't even translated the thing fucking correctly, but they're <laughs> able to make this machinery work. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever you got to, you got to suspend some disbelief from the movie's going to be four hours long. Having said that, like I don't know, turn the thing you go on and from do a the first fifteen jump of the cut. minutes. You're in the Stargate. Like this movie yeah. is just plowing through plot in the first fifteen minutes, and I I felt like that that's where it feels really threadbare. Like. You know Well
0: all they had to do was establish two characters, right?
1: Yeah, you gotta get you gotta get uh, Kurt Russell and you gotta get James Spader. That's it. That's all you need
0: for this movie to work. Right. Uh and and I I think like the shot up front with Jay Davidson getting abducted is cool and it's almost necessary in my opinion, but uh that they really didn't have much setup to do. Like found a Stargate. Here's Kurt Russell. But you've been working on James this for Spader, seventy plus
1: years. To where, like, why is it just now? It's so critical that they open the Stargates. Like, I, yeah, why did they start working on it two years ago as opposed to sixty mm-hmm. years ago? Yeah, and there's, I feel like maybe they answered the plot to that, but I just don't understand like why it was so critical to get it going now. Like, uh, and and once it was open, they were just ready to go. That felt a little, I don't know, a, I, I felt like I needed the movie could have used some time to breathe there.
0: I'm surprised they didn't make any allusions to like oh, we've got, a, like Independence Day does, we got a lot of our technology advances from this thing, from studying it, because back in 1940, there was nothing like this on the planet. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. No, I, I just wonder if, like, yeah, if they made a better case for why they're going over there. Like, uh, you know, we need to get this. But essentially, it's like, hey, we're going to go reconnaissance and blow it up if if, if there's a, even a, a, a bit of, of harm here.
0: Yeah, I'm cool. I mean, the spirit of exploration... Should, yeah, I guess should be alive and well. I have no problem with doing things just because.
1: Yeah, just because no, he can. I get it too, but why the military had a whole installation yeah. dedicated to Stargate for presumably years and years and years of fruitless effort? But they've still have this, you know, squad on standby. I think they just rolled it out of like the Indiana Jones warehouse
0: where all the relics are put. Huh. Like two years ago, oh, what's this we found? Yeah, dusty in the back corner. Sure, sure. Let's roll that thing out there. Oh, ne- next
1: year's be Ark of the Covenant. The wheel out and see uh-huh. what's going on with that.
0: Yeah, uh, the military also. I mean, now that we're talking about them, is is pretty dumb in this movie. Not only yeah are they not realizing these constellations, but they freak the fuck out when they go inside this alien settlement, and
1: all they do is close the gates. Like, yeah, which wasn't in the original I mean, theatrical maybe. release. I thought that was a weird one to put back in there. And also, like this yeah. movie is in that uncomfortable no man's zone where, like, you still had Rambo and Commando era gun like. Every one of these highly trained soldiers carries their gun at their belly button, Mm -hmm. pointed vaguely. And there's muzzle sweeping each other left and right. That's, like, so jarring now because every single major big-budget thing has military advisors that... And they've decided that, hey, shooting from the hip is much less cooler than actually realistic military precision. Mm -hmm. But it gives it a slightly daffy commando feel to everything. Sure. When you're just hosing things down from the hip and... But everything felt
0: like that. I mean, the, the fighters shooting their green shit to no effect. and Yeah. But that's, you know, everything just that's feels more like of convenient, a convenient, slot. That's more of
1: an Independence Day kind of issue where it's like, well, you, if if you made this weaponry as powerful as it probably yeah, yeah. was, then the humans have no effect. Whereas, you know, guys holding guns wrong and blinking when they shoot and, and pointing guns at each other to make points of emphasis is just jarring to a mod- modern audience.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's just a sloppiness across the board, you know, lack mm-hmm. of attention to detail and like realism, like getting any kind of sense of realism. It's more about spectacle. It's more about uh, look how amazing all of this stuff looks and these ideas are interesting. It's, the other you know, unfortunate
1: thing, and this happens to every movies in the 90s, is CRTs. Yeah. Anything where they show a monitor and it's this crappy old, you know, IBM PC graphics just looks ancient yeah like like the cutoff between flat screen and tube is was is stark and same thing with like kind of um when you see like self like movies where people are going on cordless phones Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was not that long ago, but man, it looks archaic as shit. It's like a rotary dial. 20 years ago, this movie was made. Yeah, like, old, rotaries and rotary dials now look stylish. Like, when you see them in Fargo and stuff, it's kind of cool. They don't look like a throwback. They just like old-school cool, where yeah. cell phone, computer technology, all that stuff just aged in dog years, man. It looks, it looks prehistoric.
0: Yeah, some of this stuff I... Like, I understand, like, I totally agree with what you're saying, where it's not meant to be, but, like, a lot of the times you can get away with the CRT look because, believe it or not, a lot of these technologies that, like, really high-end installations use are archaic, right? Like, yeah. I mean, shit, I worked at an insurance company that was using a DB2 database from the 60s. No, no I, yeah, I get it. I mean, that sure. shit happens, especially with government and military. Like, yep. you look at the shit we sent... <laughs> like people to the moon with recently, mm-hmm. uh, and out into space with, and it's like you can't believe it.
1: No, oh, yeah, like We're our cell phones that they would even are risk it hundreds of thousands times more powerful than the computer that ran <laughs> the space shuttle, let alone yeah. the computer that ran the Apollo missions. Exactly.
0: So, like sometimes it's it feels realistic, but a lot of the times, yeah, it's just like, man, I don't know if I can watch this.
1: So we talked about. The big uh, we've we've talked about kind of the big problems with Raw's part of the plan, but the other thing about the 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 overthrow Raw and everyone's like Raw Raw everything's awesome, we've won, and I guess Stargate the series blows this wide open. But why does everyone assume that Raw is the big bad? Why wouldn't you assume that he's some fucking middle manager and that now yeah. you've actually pissed off the corporate boys that are going to come and just glass your whole planet?
0: Well, the story. Doesn't the story tell us,
1: like, his race was dying and he set but off? But why I, do we think I know, that 8,000 years ago these people had an accurate understanding of the social-political situation of this alien race that they considered gods? No, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't, like, I don't assume that they do. I, is... I mean, to me, like, uh, you go back through the portal and you blow it the fuck up, or you bury it, or you do something, because nothing good can come of top- tussling with these guys. Well,
0: so I mean, I guess that's a good start to a three-part trilogy, which... <laughs> They weren't doing back then as much,
1: yeah. Uh, and they wanted to. But, like that's the other thing we got from the commentary, and of course, you know, Doc uh, alluded to in his comments there at the beginning of the podcast that they wanted this to become a trilogy. But that's the
0: thing; they do tell us, the audience, over the course of the movie, that this is the last one of his race, and he's the
1: ringleader. And yeah, I get it. Like all my problems with that is meta, and I you understand. can't.
0: Yeah, you can't have a movie where you've killed one of the underlings and. That's the end of the franchise. That's the end of the movie series. Mm-hmm. Can't really do that. I mean, because then you know there's a horrible fate waited, waiting for these people in the wings.
1: Yeah. A couple of things I did like other than the art design of the Stargate stuff. I liked the idea that Daniel was able to go back in time and know enough about Egyptian dialect and writing that even though this was not quite the same, he was able to make rapid progress with them. And I kind of like, I was trying to ex- understand this. It'd be like, if you were beam back into like William, maybe even before the, like the, the uh, Canterbury tales era uh, where everything is like, recognizably English, but kind of like a uh, jabberwocky type English. Mm -hmm. you would be kind of fish out of water for the first day or two, but I bet you would rapidly be able to get a grasp of the language because most of the words are the same. They might have a weird pronunciation or spelling or inflection. Um, but the, the grammar is all the same. Like, I feel like you would take old English, like a duck to water. And I felt like that's kind of how they communicated Daniel learning this, you know, ancient dialect of, 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 uh, Egyptian speech and, and, uh, words.
0: Yeah, and I also felt like they did a good job of communicating how much of an expert, like a savant, he is at this. Yeah. Like, he comes in, he looks at this chalkboard, and he says, oh, this must be the other translator, the other famous writer that you got to translate. Yeah, this is all bullshit. Here's yeah. what it really says. Yeah. And so you get this impression that he's literally the best person on the planet when it comes to Egyptology right. and the language. Right. So, I thought they did that pretty well, and there were scenes dispersed throughout the movie that were like, Okay, he's starting to pick up a little bit of the language. Like he's got a word here and there. there, and like he kind of his eyebrows perk up when he hears a specific word and he mm-hmm. understands what that word might be.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a good job with that. I do think that like whenever they're discussing the final symbol, it's like, oh, look at this symbol. You take a couple squiggle marks away, and this is your your final. This is your final symbol, and everybody's like, oh, how do we overlook that? And I'm like, wait a second, like. You know, the difference between a lowercase i and a lowercase l is a dot at the top. That's important. Like, how do you know that this is the, like, as the doc suggested, you've got fucking probes. Pop open all 40 combinations on that last on that last chevron and see where it goes. But then on the other, like, he did the opposite, where this boy is kind of, like, free-forming this, this written language that he's... You know, it's like I get that Daniel, who's literate and has understood the language and study, would get it. But like the shepherd boy is going to pick up everything about the the writing system and starting to write letters and whatnot. And that's just the one he writes. Just happens to be the the, how do you know? How do you know that what he's scratching that you go and add a bunch of symbols to is the actual Stargate symbol? Yeah. How the fuck does that kid know? How the fuck do you know? I feel like it had that to do just with came, the moons, just, but... I, I, you, I get it, but I'm saying that... But that raises problems. Plus, it's, it's like problems. Earth's got one moon and one sun, and this was, was got three, so you think that that's like, is this the only planet in the universe that has exactly suns? Like, yeah. very period... I don't know. Very uh, provincial look at the universe, and I felt like it was com- both of those instances of finding the seventh Chevron was just complete ass pulls on yeah. Daniel's part.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there's a lot of that in this I movie. Do, I do
1: like how they played, Spader played him as, like, autistic. Like, he didn't, hmm. I don't think he really understood the soldier's animosity t- uh, to him. Okay. Like, you know, it's like, this wasn't an ego thing. Like, oh, yeah, I absolutely can translate that uh, with, the, with the caveats that I'll need a bunch of samples of writing and I'll need to explore and find these plates. And, like, I know he didn't, he probably expected them to be on the other side. Just right there waiting for him, but like when the guys were dicking with him and throwing his shit around, it just it it didn't even bother him. It's just like, well, this is one other thing happening to me. Just like my desert allergies, he just took it in stride. He didn't take it. He didn't take it personal or any kind of blow to his ego. It's like it didn't even register. Yeah, I don't. That this was a human being being mean to him.
0: You're right. You're right. And now that I'm I'm thinking about it and looking at it, I. I don't know that he has an ego. He seems to be a character who's driven only by his curiosity. That's what I'm saying. Like, he
1: felt very... That's uh, interesting. He felt like he was uh, a character on the spectrum before people even use words like the spectrum. Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, I'm
0: not even... Like, say, sure. Maybe like he is. i he's a Revenge
1: I'm... of the Nerd type nerd, but a lot, much more modern take on that. If that makes any sense? No.
0: I, I don't know Revenge of the Nerds. I've not seen
1: it. Oh, well, you're not missing much.
0: Okay. Uh No, I, I'm i not even saying, like, there's anything, any social hang-ups he has or anything. I'm just saying, like, I, and I think there, there probably are, but specifically, I think he's driven by curiosity. Like, his plan is come through this thing and explore. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a shit about these military guys' missions, and when they start picking on him, he's like, well, I'm here on an alien world, I'm going to keep exploring, because this is fucking cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. And that's the other thing, is, like, I don't know that you needed the relationship with uh, Shardy. Uh, or whatever her name was, because I feel shade. like Shaday. I feel like that, that Daniel would want to stay here. No contest. Even if it was nothing but shepherds, boys, and weird lizard, turtle, horses. Like this is what he's spent his whole life leading up to. Of course, he'd want to stay. Do they bring anything back that says like, "Here's
0: what we went through"? Or wicked are they going to have of, to like come a wicked back case through of ancient all
1: this? Egyptian desert herpes? <laughs> Yeah, that's what they brought. Got, back. It,
0: got it from the kid who got blown up. Uh, no, I'm wondering. so oh, they're going to have to like wait, send you think another Daniel's mission. The through? only guy that
1: got a that got a hot chick sent to his room just because he got the raw necklace. I bet I bet enough of the raw stank rubbed off on Kurt Russell and uh, Skwalowski that they got the women too. they got the women treatment.
0: Yeah, no, I, and they're I'm They're probably
1: sure. less chivalrous about, no, I can't possibly I take advantage of your willingness. I wasn't going with space herpes here. Okay. I was, going I was with like, literally space herpes. Like,
0: what's the next step? So he says, Le- leave me behind, I'm staying here. You, dude, you got a fucking Stargate. You're not like... It's like you're living next door to Earth. It's not like you're stuck here. Yeah, but
1: you know Jane Goodall. They're going to be
0: sending people back through all the time. Diane I Fossey you. and
1: Jane Goodall can go to the apes whenever they want. We got airplanes and shit, but they still like to set up their base camp with them because that's what they that's want fine, to do. But they that, don't want to miss. They're I, like they're I get like it. Aerosmith with monkeys. They don't want to miss one thing. I get
0: it hundred percent. But that moment is played like farewell. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: Like, like other I've, than like we're going to be running now. train on the stargate yeah. back and forth. Dude, we're going to have a city set up here in about a month. So, but he did say, they also said I'll be seeing you. Like I didn't feel like it's a farewell, it's more like, "Hey, I I don't actively hate you anymore. You have my respect as a okay. as a human being and a, and a We've been a, through some shit together." And a masculine now. figure, yes. All right. All right. That's what I took it from.
0: And then Kurt Russell gets his moment with the 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 main kid i don't even know what his name is i don't either the shepherd boy yeah which comes full circle on you know his kid his kid who shot himself with a gun yeah this kid now it feels like he's got a new kid which is a replacement his for gun, his old so kid it it's kind of fucked up
1: yeah yeah it's a little dark <laughs> yeah hey worked for Job, right? that's true yeah you got a better son this guy can handle a weapon with that pointed at his face <laughs> Yeah,
0: I also like their anti-smoking PSA, like right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. This guy's got a, what, I would guess 20-year smoking habit. Sure. Kurt he Russell. hands a cigarette to this kid. The kid coughs, and he's like, yeah, shitty habit anyway, and he throws him away. He's done yeah.
1: smoking. Yeah, no, I, I feel like... Because uh, <laughs> one kid coughed. Yeah, and imrick was really proud of that.
0: I, I mean, it says what he wants to say, right? Right. But it does it in kind of the over-the-top... Independence Day way.
1: I just feel like you got Kurt Russell with with uh, you know expeditionary sunglasses and a a a, a crew top crew cut, f- you know straight oh out of Street God. Fighter guile. Yeah. smoking cigarettes. The coolness of that is not going to be overcome by five seconds of a desert, you know shepherd boy coughing his first cigarette. It's going to be like yeah you got to you got to you got to overcome that your body retching. And not wanting to take this combustible... <laughs> to be as cool as Kurt yeah, Russell. Yeah, yeah. Gladly you'll do that, right? Of course. I mean, if they'd shown... If it was just like, you know, beginning of the movie Kurt Russell, where he's sitting there trying to talk himself out of killing himself, looking like he's post-Turkish prison Lawrence of Arabia. He's smoking. That's a lot less cool. But Kurt Russell yeah. with his crew cut and his guns and his his his, his uh, tight shirt and his his, his sunglasses... That's that's something you want to you want to muscle through that coffin. I would assume so. Yeah, you know, like Joe Camel man. You know, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin <laughs> go to
0: the dweeb well often. The dweeb hero, well, yeah. And I'm using dweeb only because it's used in the movie. Sure, uh, that's not a word I use ever.
1: I'm not even sure that's a real English word. When he says, "You guys are probably not familiar." With dweeb. I, I'm <laughs> barely familiar. I think I've only yeah. heard dweeb. Ref. Uh, you know. Used in a Roland Emmerich context,
0: yeah. So like you've got like in this nerd movie, James geek. Spader, you've got an in Independence Day uh, Jeff Goldblum's character,
1: sure Godzilla. You got Matthew Broderick. Like all these people are nerdy. It peaked at jo- uh, Jeff Goldblum.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he's, he's by the, far alpha, the He's
1: the alpha alpha dweeb. Yeah, but they all are right. They all save the day. Yeah, they're all the heroes More, of their own movies. But Matthew Broderick, way less convincingly. Sure. Like I sure. buy the. The James Spader, as the Daniel character, does everything he does, and he's like kind of got his own brand of cool. And, you know, Jeff Goldblum, what what more can you say about that dude? Matthew Broderick (laughs) just sucked. Yeah, Matthew Broderick, man, it's
0: weird too, because he's charismatic in Ferris Bueller. I mean, and he's a a reluctant hero in war games, right?
1: Sure. To say nothing of his reluctant dweeb, of his adult work in uh, what was it, the election?
0: Sure, and I mean he's a cable guy, and
1: he's it's got lots, lots of stuff where he's done pretty good earnest work, and he just, yeah, yeah. I, th- uh, you know, every, but everybody in Godzilla sucked. I think they were directed to suck. That's true. That movie was not good. Like just all of the plots, the the, the character beats of these people just are terrible from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like Godzilla is just a terrible movie. I we watched it. Uh, we watch, Oh, yeah, we saw the, on the big screen, Riff Tracks did a live riffing where they synchronized all the, the, the theaters in North America and you could go pay like nine bucks and see these guys rip on the movie for two hours. It's one of those rare ones where like they almost couldn't really save it. it was just, there's such long stretches of it being terrible.
0: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
1: I rem- That's one of my very first cinematic disappointments where I got really hyped up for something and it looked so cool and they were saying things like... You know, we're going to do a serious take on Godzilla. This man in his suit shit was just silly and stupid. And we're just going to be Godzilla refined. And fucking Taco Bell, you're collecting the, the you know, you remember that. There was, if you spelled tail, you won like a million dollars or something. I do
0: remember that, yeah. We spent a lot of time at Taco Bell collecting yeah. those
1: goddamn Godzilla cups and the Batman cups before them. Yeah. And it was just a flop. A terrible, terrible movie. Did, I found out that the McDonald's Monopoly
0: thing has been stacked all along.
1: I saw that same Reddit article for okay. five years from like 1995 to 2000 or 2000 to 2005. Some is an inside job. Yeah. Some guy was stealing all the valuable pieces. Anyway, that's
0: yeah. that's not pertinent to this movie. G-
1: good work uh, if you can find it.
0: I don't know what else I want to say about this thing. If you got anything else, I'll entertain it. But...
1: I'm looking through, but no, I feel like we we covered most of the stuff. I will say that I feel like... Uh, I was expecting Emmerich and Devlin to be much more cynical, but I feel like they're just, they are, uh, Emmerich is the greater of the two, but they're both sincere <laughs> and their love of this art form and they want to make good movies and they feel like they are making good movies. And I
0: think maybe Roland Emmerich with a great script could direct a good action movie. like like uh, Plus, the other thing is... He should go full on Michael Bay,
1: right? If you think about these things as like, take out all the dialogue, make it a silent movie does this cohe like an international audience Will this thing play? Yeah. Like you don't, you don't need to read subtitles if you don't want to, you don't need this dubbed in your language. You can just watch, you can just watch Stargate and it plays without any of the dialogue and you get the basics of the story. And the visuals are really, really cool. And the sets like, you know, they talk about building this yeah. huge set exterior set of this uh, pyramid thing out in the desert and how that was a real location and how much time and effort. And, like some of the legitimately cool <laughs> things, like the when Daniel gets dragged across the desert, how they were able to blend in puppetry and a horse in a costume and a dog in a costume dragging a doll, and it just all kind of hangs together and is cool. You yeah, really, it's like okay, like you, you, some of the fine, like you're never going to be a a, St- a Spielberg or. A, shit. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. You're never going to tell... I feel like that's
0: what he wants to do,
1: though. He desperately wants to be Spielberg. I think he likes to make movies that people like. He's a little bit of a Michael man.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I define Spielberg. He's making movies for everyone with the, the heartfelt note and spectacle and a sense of wonder. I feel like that's what Emmerich's going for. He just doesn't quite nail it in the same way that Spielberg does. Yeah. he's He's stuck somewhere between Spielberg and Michael Bay, and I don't know that that I feel like that's kind of a no man's land. No, I'm not Michael anyway.
1: Mann. I'm sorry, Michael Bay. Jesus, don't want to get those two. kids. Yeah, oh no, God, no. One guy made Last of Mohicans, <laughs> and the other guy and Heat, and the other guy peaked with The Rock, uh-huh. which is admittedly like you can give Michael Bay as much shit as you want, but The Rock is a fun, fantastic movie. He knows what he's making. Yeah. And he has no
0: qualms about it, and I don't either.
1: Yeah, and that's I feel fine. like Roland Emmerich is the international version of Michael Bay. Okay. Like Michael Bay is all American. This is what Americans want to see. The intergalactic version. Oh, yeah. The eight thousand year old Stargate version. Yeah. All right. Well that's a good as good a place as any to end this podcast on. Thanks once again for all your support over the years. Uh Doctor DeVito. Doctor yeah. DeVito. It's amazing. Uh, we, we we certainly appreciate it. We hope that uh, you got a couple chuckles or some interesting nuggets out of our Stargate coverage. If, if nothing else, you soaked us for the 15th 15, 15 anniversary collector's <laughs> edition of the Blu-ray that was quite reasonably priced on Amazon. Quite I reasonably. Hasten. It did, didn't exactly break the bank. But thanks for commissioning that. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah. one of the more fun things we do in Bald Move. We still got a lot of stuff. You know what we're doing next? Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. The Commissioner Strikes Again. <laughs> Man, with, with another uh, dislike, I can't believe I'm being paid to to do this podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, if you'd like to find out how you can commission a uh, podcast, we're getting 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 geared up because we've got like four or five of the community commissions. It's starting to get a little threadbare. We're gearing up. We'll, we'll I'm going to commit to before 2015 is done. We're going to have a, a, a new slew of offerings. We're going to replace the ones we've sold out on and put some new community commissions. That's another economical way to get probably hold a vote in the VIP section of the forum so we can get. Uh, the club members kind of thoughts uh, so if you want to get in on that check out the vip forums if you want to find out how to get in the vip forums go to club.baldmove.com and you can go to baldmove.com slash shop if you just want to pull the trigger and commission a podcast find out how much it is and the, kind of the details on it uh, all that's on baldmove.com slash shop or if you want to browse the remaining community commissions to see if there's any low-hanging fruit yeah, there
0: to pay like 260 bucks to get shutter island going or something (laughs) (laughs) uh
1: but yeah there's there's some still some some good ones with like maybe 50 percent support i feel like yeah yeah i feel like all the ones that are gonna get
0: commissioned have already been commissioned we'll see a new batch we'll see who knows uh all right thanks everyone for listening we'll uh probably be back next week with another one of these empire strikes back and until then i'm jim
1: i'm mayron bye